0: Hey guys, before we start our episode of True Crime Couple, we just wanted to talk to you about something really quick. If you like our podcast or anything involving true crime, we have something really exciting for you. From the creators of Missing Maura Murray and Crawlspace Space comes Empty Frames, a new investigative podcast aiming to find answers to one of the biggest mysteries the world has ever seen. In the early morning hours of March 18, 1990, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts, fell victim to the most audacious art heist in modern history. In 81 minutes, two thieves dressed as policemen made off with 13 pieces of artwork, estimated to be valued at half a billion dollars. Works from Vermeer, Degas, and Rembrandt were stripped from their frames, never to be seen from the public again. For Vermeer's The Concert was among the stolen pieces, and is considered to be the most valuable stolen property in the world. Deep within the criminal underground, theories of their whereabouts and those who perpetrated the heist are abundant. Are they being kept together in conditions conducive to such fragile work? Have they been determined to be too hot to handle and destroyed? In Empty Frames, Tim and Lance, from the popular true crime podcast we mentioned before, We'll dive into the case exploring all angles. Along with investigators, reporters, art thief experts, and citizens, they will paint their own portrait comprised of the theories and the social economic impact of the greatest unsolved art heist of all time. If you're interested, you can search and subscribe to Empty Frames today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening device. Hey guys, welcome to episode 20 of the True Crime Couple Podcast. I'm Kay. And I'm John. And we want to thank, before we begin, everyone on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, for all of your comments, your likes, your reviews. We really appreciate everything. And please keep them coming, because we're loving it.
1: We do love it.
0: Okay, so let's get right into the case. Today we're going to be covering something that's pretty controversial. And those who believe in the subject's innocence... And those who believe in their guilt are very steadfast in their beliefs. So most likely, I've been warned that if you cover this topic, that you're going to get some uh, blowback a little bit. So we're going to try our best really hard to lay out the arguments of both sides of the cases. And of course, at the end, we're going to explain how we feel and our beliefs. But the research is done for a very long time, same as always. So we really looked into this pretty deeply. And as always, we'd love to hear what you think, so you can reach out to us, whether it's on Twitter or on Instagram, and we really want to hear what you think, whether they're innocent or guilty. So today our case brings us back in time to Rowlett, Texas, which is a wealthy suburb of Dallas on June 6th, 1996. (laughs)
1: Police say the suspect,
2: 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people, whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil, in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Uh, everyone, what is your First thing I hear is this real light glass break. I'm sure next thing I hear is Dolly screaming. I mean, screaming as loud as any person you've ever heard. I ran downstairs, and as soon as I get to the edge of the stairs, I mean, Dolly's just freaking. I mean, she's, Devin, 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 Devin. I mean, she's just going off and just saying it a million times in a row. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. I get downstairs and run right straight over to Devin, and he's laying face up. He's got this look on his face of... Nothing. He has these two huge gashes in his chest. I tried to revive him, I gave him CPR, I blew into his mouth, as soon as I blew into his mouth, blood came out of his chest. And it was just a complete hole. I put my hands over it, trying to hold the holes closed. And then I look up and Damon's laying over 12 feet away from him up against the floor. And he's just laying there, and he's not, you know, he's moving a little bit. And I saw blood everywhere. I mean, you look at the crime scene photos and, and, you know, in evidence, the carpet is blood red from one end to the house to the other. And all, mostly all of Darley's. I mean, Darley almost bled to death.
0: So, unfortunately, from the clips you just heard, you can deduce that we're going to be covering the case of the Routier family and the murder of their two eldest sons. But before we get into the crime and its aftermath, let's get into who the Routiers are, especially leading up to the crime that happens in 1996. Darren Routier is going to meet Darlie when he's 15 years old and she's 13. It's a bit of a young love there. And at the time, Darley's mother worked at the same restaurant as Darren. So she decided to introduce the two. That's kind of a little strange, but we'll, we'll blow past that one. Well,
1: I mean, I mean, she probably is one of the, like, help, you know, help set out. Up her thir- <laughs> yeah. Set up at
0: 13.
1: Hey, you got to start young, I guess. I <laughs>
0: guess so. Um, the couple would marry in 1988 when Darren's 20 and Darlie's 18. So they, they did wait. Things went really well for the young couple. And by 1996, they were able to move to the wealthy suburb of Roulette, Texas, where they had expensive cars, a boat, and a home that at the time was worth a quarter of a million dollars. So that's worth a lot more today. The large brick home, its sprawling landscape, and their expensive toys were afforded by the salary of Darren, who owned his own computer company. Darren was known for making circuit boards and repairing the mainframe of computers. So I know... Nothing about what I just said, but it sounds like he, you can make a lot of money doing that.
1: Oh, you could definitely make a lot of money, especially during this time. It's like it's when computers are starting to make their way yeah, mainstream the into like people's homes. Right. So it's like a big deal.
0: His company had actually just landed some government agency contracts in 1995. So it looked like whatever company he'd started was definitely getting bigger and bigger. In 1995 alone, he earned $300,000. Wow, and back in nineteen ninety six that's a that's a lot of money. the couple also managed to have a beautiful family and they had three healthy boys so <laughs> they went uh the same initial route there get it like the same initial route here get it oh, ah, ha, ha, yeah. cracking
2: jokes over here
0: I know that was so <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable. I can't ever casually go into a joke I no, make you up. Can't. no okay. <laughs> In 1996, Devin is their oldest, and he's six years old. Damon is five years old, and their youngest son is Drake, who's eight months old. From the couple, um, you'll hear reports of a happy home where the boys were always content, Darren was the doting father, and Darley was that perfect PTA mom. However, from others, you hear stories of Darley, who was then 26 years old, being overwhelmed by her life maintaining the house, Appearances and her three boys. It definitely seems like Darlie. When you look back at pictures um, of when the family was together, she was she was always done up really well. So it seemed like she was very
1: into her appearance. Yeah, she was. She
0: was into herself. So it's hard for someone who's twenty six and into that, and taking care of three boys and a huge house at the same time. I mean, it's it's a lot to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say she pretty much ran everything in that house. Yeah, she had a hands And full. she was the rock of that family for sure.
0: Yeah, we also hear that, like you said, Darren was absent a lot. So he didn't really help Darley in raising of the three boys. And not saying that necessarily that's something that he had a decision in. It seemed like he was the breadwinner of the family. So sometimes he may have had to work long hours. So the responsibility lay on Darley a little bit more. So whether the first or second account is true, everyone did agree that Devin was a happy and energetic child who was really smart, whereas Damon was kind of different. He was soft-spoken, very reserved, but he seemed to be very empathetic towards other people. And the happiness of the family prior to the crime is just the first of many things that will be speculated about. But I, I don't know. I just think that's something that's kind of hard to judge. That no one ever really truly understands what's going on in a house. Yeah, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Right. And and really, even if you see what happens behind closed doors, unless you're in the family or, like, entrenched in them every day, you really can't understand a family dynamic. Absolutely. I don't think an outsider could. I agree. So there may be things that might be misconstrued that really aren't what they appear to be. Yeah. Well, now this brings us to the night of June 6, 1996. Um, as you heard from the clips before, Darren explains that he was asleep in the master bedroom on the second floor with his eight-month-old son, Drake. Now, Darley was asleep on the couch in the family room. She had her two eldest sons with her in the family room. Darley explained that after she had given birth to Drake that she had problems sleeping. It's a little bit of a weird comment where she says his crying kept her up at night. Which is kind of a weird statement for a mother to make, especially a mother of three who understands what it's like to to raise a child.
1: Yeah, but the flip side to that is, you know, maybe Drake was the only child that she had that was just, the kid could have been colic. True. <laughs> the kid could have just had problems sleeping and it was just worse. Maybe he wailed a lot.
0: Yeah, maybe it was just you know. Darren's time to yeah. take care of him. Well, she either way is going to decide to stay up and watch TV with Devin and Damon. And at 2.30 a.m., she's woken up by an intruder. Her story changes several times, but her first account is that she's awoken by an intruder who has a blade to her throat, and then a struggle ensues. Later, she tells investigators that as she woke up, she saw the man walking away from her and back towards her kitchen. She then sees the bodies of her sons at his feet. She pursues him, and during the fight, However it was initiated, she pushes the man away with the knife and during the struggle her neck is slashed. And the slash on Darlie's neck is is kind of like a downward slope motion where it starts in the middle and then kind of slowly falls downward and it ends up cutting her collarbone. Darlie has a substantial amount of bruising and a stab wound on her right arm. And when I say a substantial amount of bruising, I mean her arm is, is black and blue. You can't even see the color of her skin.
1: Yeah, it's pretty intense.
0: So it's not just casual bruising that Darley does have on her arm. Now, the wound on her neck is only two centimeters away from hitting her carotid artery. And after she was able to chase the man through the kitchen and into the utility room, he is going to drop the knife, which ends up being the weapon used, and he flees out a window that has a cut screen. And during this chase through the kitchen, Darlie claims that she knocked over the vacuum cleaner and a wine glass from the freestanding bar that they have was shattered. Now that's, that's a story that is initially the second story that's initially told, but eventually there's a third story that she claims is the story and she's still claiming that's the story, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So it was that sound that Darren claims woke him up. Next, he says he heard the unearthly screams of his wife. Seconds after this, Darley places a call to 911. Now, you have just heard pieces of the call earlier in the show, but the 911 call is a point of contention with many people, and we're going to go over it and replay it later on in the show. As Darley's on the phone with 911, Darren says he tries to revive Devin like you heard too. And he's lying flat on his back in the family room, covered with stab wounds and blood. Darren said, obviously, when he tried to do CPR, chest compressions, the blood would either pour from the boy's chest or his mouth. And when we go through the autopsy reports, it's pretty clear as to why that was happening. And meanwhile, five-year-old Damon, like clinging to life, propped up against the wall. Um, I I thought it was weird that I know he said he sees Devin, and then he starts giving him CPR, but it was very clear that Devin was dead. And Damon was still clinging to life. So I thought it was strange that he wouldn't—I mean, if you checked for a pulse on Devin at that time, he would—there would be no pulse. To not even go over and check on your second son, I thought— Well,
1: it could have been the first— body of his sons that he saw
0: it, it was it right. was the first body and i mean
1: your first instinct is to check if i mean you know he was lying there you know he's lying there you know right and it's i feel like i would want to check and see if he was breathing and if he wasn't cpr needs to be performed
0: that's true you know what
1: i mean i don't know that's a little
0: i know i guess it's hard when you have two yeah two children like that
1: but Like I said, I think it really lies this lies with which son he saw first, which was
0: right, rather than something you know, else. Yeah. yeah, we'll get into that later too. Darren also claims that as he is trying to help Devin, and Darley's on the phone with nine one one that she's almost bleeding to death herself, and at this point, she has um a like a a dishcloth to her neck trying to like soak up all the blood, but it's already filled with blood.
1: Which is crazy to think, guys, because this woman's making a phone call while she's bleeding out from her neck.
0: Two centimeters away from her throat artery.
1: I mean, that in itself is pretty remarkable that she was able to speak and, you know, talk. And I'm sure talking probably made more blood come out. Yeah. You know?
0: So when paramedics arrive at the scene, six-year-old Devin was uh, pronounced dead. They try to stabilize and put Damon in the ambulance as fast as they could. Despite the best efforts of the first responders, Damon unfortunately is announced dead en route to the hospital. In a separate ambulance, Darley is being rushed immediately into surgery for the slash on her neck. She also receives stitches in her arm. So her wounds were pretty extensive, and the pictures of course we'll put them up on like Instagram, but the bruising on her arm is is just insane. So medical staff at the hospital are immediately going to notice the fact that underneath Darlie's oversized nightshirt, she wasn't wearing any underwear. So they asked her if she had been sexually assaulted during the crime. Her direct response to the ER nurse was, when I woke up, I felt some pressure down there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think you know if you're being raped. I don't feel Uh, like. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a little bit of pressure. Um, but she was given a rape kit and those results, of course, came back negative. She was not sexually assaulted during the commission of the crime. And after she got out of surgery, she explained to the detectives on the case that her assailant was about six feet tall and wore a black shirt, jeans, and a baseball cap. She claims that a screen from a window in her garage utility room had been cut. And that's where the man escaped from and it must have been where he came in from as well. So back at the house, police are investigating the scene. Knowing that the assailant, and now murderer, was was on the run in this rich neighborhood. And people were getting a little nervous. So they're going to start bringing dogs around to try and pick up his scent. There was so much blood at the scene. So bringing in a bloodhound makes sense. Because there's no way that that man is leaving that crime scene without a lot of blood on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, he just got done pretty much killing two children. And, and almost another. And almost another. I mean, there's no way there's not a spray of blood all over the person's clothing. Right. That's kind of weird.
0: But the furthest the dogs led investigators was to an alleyway two houses down from the Rotier family house. In the alleyway, they found a bloody long white sock. After the sock, the trail of blood magically just disappears the bloodhounds completely lose the scent
1: and that's so weird because to me it seems like someone just dipped the sock in blood and threw it down the alleyway yeah you know what I mean like like almost like they thought this through <laughs> whatever It didn't
0: have anything <laughs> else weird. on them just the sock because even if they even if they had blood on them and they went back to the house the, the scent the, the trail would lead right back to the house so it's yeah. very curious this sock. So far, it's the first and, thing i
1: mean and if and if somebody did go in there and do this crime, I mean, uh I doubt that he's taken his shoes off to like throw away a sock.
0: yeah, I thought well, that, that was, was weird that. because the blood <laughs> isn't on the like what would be exposed if you're wearing shoes. The blood is actually on like the and foot pants. of the sock like so yeah because like, where... he was wearing jeans, according to Darley. Uh,
1: yes, so it's just weird to me that they just find one sock down an alleyway, yeah, just the two one blocks sock. from the house. Weird. Weird.
0: So investigators are wondering why this would even take place. And rich neighborhood, first thing you think, this could possibly be a robbery. But it's really apparent that robbery wasn't a motive from the beginning. Because between the kitchen and the family room, where the whole stuff went down, there was at least 13 pieces of jewelry, including expensive rings and a really expensive watch. And if it was an attempted robbery, it it went really, really bad, and he ran out without what he was intending to take. So I don't. I mean, they know right away that it's not a robbery; that the intention is an attack.
1: Yeah, I mean, if nothing's missing, it's just it's odd. It's like I mean that it's almost like you're going there for one thing to kill, and that's it.
0: Correct, but it's we'll weird. we'll revisit the whole possible robbery thing because some people think that it. It might have been. The scene was covered in blood, the most any of the detectives had ever seen. And to help them solve this crime, law enforcement had to bring in a blood splatter analyst and a decorated retired detective to try and help them figure out what really happened. Now, after we get through a little more of um, how this story unfolds, we're going to stop and go back to take a look at the crime scene and the autopsy reports of the boy. So we're just going to continue on with the story a little bit, but then double back to the crime scene. So after the recovery of Darlie, which took only days, her and Darren began to give many interviews to local media. And that's something we saw two weeks ago with the Baby Dior case. Parents were giving a lot of interviews. Darlie and Darren recount the details of the horrific attack and their fear that the killer is still on the loose. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Here it comes. This is the most infamous part of the entire case. Okay. Um, I'm sure if anyone remembers any of the news broadcasts of the Routier case, they remember this more than anything. Eight days after the death of her sons and the brutal attack on herself, um, it's Devin's seventh birthday. And prior to the attack, the Rotier family, they were planning a large birthday party for the boy. And they made sure that that still happened. News cameras arrived on the scene as they were invited by the family. So Darley invites all the local news media outlets to come check out the birthday party that they're having for Devon at the gravesite of Devin and Damon. And the Routier family, Darren, Darlie, her mother, and her sister, along with her brother-in-law, were having a birthday celebration for the boy, equipped with balloons, cards. They sang happy birthday, and then Darlie and her sister proceeded to spray the balloons, the flowers, and the freshly dug grave with silly string. Hmm. And afterwards, a smiling, gum-chewing, short shorts-wearing Darlie is going to give uh, the following interview to reporters. So we're going to play that interview for you right now.
2: If you knew Devin and Damon, you would know that they're up in heaven and they're up there having the biggest birthday party that we could ever imagine. And they wouldn't want us to be down here being sad, even though our hearts are breaking. I know that Devin and Damon would want us to be happy.
0: So that's the interview that she's going to give to local media. So people found it really strange.
1: Um, this is the thing, right? I kind of want to split it in half. Like, I split it down the middle because her reaction, her interview's a little odd to me. And, and it's not what she's saying, it's how it, like her tone. Um, that's what bothers me. And then, I mean, as far as the party at the grave and, and the silly string and all that stuff, I mean,. I guess if, like, you know, the rest of your family, you're like, you're trying to be as positive. I mean, I mean, there's nothing to be positive about. I mean, two children just died. But, I mean, I guess it's the kid's birthday. You want to have faith that they're in a better place, that they're in heaven, and it is his birthday. You know, I don't know. I think that they did right by doing that, but I don't like her tone. It's just...
0: it's It seems like the tone is years after the death. Do you know what? Not eight days. Not eight days. Or she's still in shock. I mean, you never know how someone's going to react to something. But I think that it being an unsolved murder, it was done done in really poor taste. To invite the news outlet, I think, is what is the most bizarre. I think if that's something that you want to do with your family and your family understands you doing that and you understand you doing that, that's one thing. But then to invite the rest of the country to be there is something else. And you're kind of setting yourself up for it.
1: I get that. To be
0: scrutinized. I
1: I think that also, I feel like there is motive to her inviting the news crews and doing that interview. I think, and what I mean by that is, I feel like she was trying to like make The rest of the world feel like the family, it was like a united, like it was like unity, you know? Like everyone was on the same page and like everyone was together. And like, I guess like she wanted that maybe.
0: Maybe. Because
1: remember, this is a woman that is very, very um,
0: concerned about about her image.
1: And I feel like that had something to do with it. So I felt like there was a lot of motive there.
0: Well, it's very true. I didn't think of it that way of her trying to kind of orchestrate things to make it look like the family's coming out on top and... Setting up the appearance of them being okay, but maybe personally and herself, she's not.
1: Right. That's that's exactly what I'm getting at here. So I feel like it's just... It was weird. Like you said before, done in poor taste, the whole thing. She had motive.
0: Well, now there's something interesting about the whole infamous Silly String Party. Actually, police had surveillance cameras set up at the gravesite. They were very curious about Darlie. And... They were also setting up cameras, not just to watch her, but it is very true that sometimes um, killers return or maybe visit gravesites, sites. So they thought maybe let's shot in the dark, let's set up cameras by a gravesite. And they actually captured the whole thing. And the media didn't capture everything. The police surveillance ca- uh, cameras captured a religious ceremony with the family that involved a priest and lasted about two hours long. So during the ceremony, the family members are going to weep over the graves of the boy. And both Devin and Damon. And the footage actually also reveals that Darlie wasn't the person who brought the silly string to the grave. Her sister brought the silly string to the grave. And she said um, that the boys loved the silly string. So that's why she bought it. So it wasn't intent. It wasn't set up by Darley, the silly string thing. I think it was really misconstrued. And I think that her lawyer kind of said it best when uh, he made a comment to the media. And he said, um, I don't believe that bad taste equates to criminal responsibility.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't think that like she went out of her way to uh, buy balloons and, 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 and party favors i just think that there was just more involved in her in the reasoning to bring media and to bring attention to or, to you know, show
0: hey we're okay we're yeah. a strong family
1: yeah i don't think like yeah. i don't want people to read into what i said too much but just like she obviously had more it more than what meets the eye here with her like the, yeah she wanted that attention with the media not, it's really it wasn't really towards the silly stream. like i said i think that that is normal if the family comes together and they're trying to do this. I mean, that's fine. Right. I think that her tone and the fact that she invited the media is weird to me and it's unsettling to me.
0: Right. Because a lot of people that believe that Darlie was involved in the crime show like her unemotional side during that interview and the poor taste of it all and disregard for the life of her son. Yeah. That it Odd. was. Yeah, so people use that a lot if they're in the guilty camp, which I get because it is pretty bizarre. Silly string or not, the police were becoming extremely suspicious of Darlie. And this isn't just because of the incident with the media or the interviews that her and Darren are given. It, It has a lot to do with the evidence that is starting to come back. So, a lot of testing is coming back. The blood analysts are giving in their reports, and things are starting to get a little murky here. So, let's rewind and take a look back at the crime scene. First, we must add that it's at this point that Darlie changes her story for the third time. She says that she woke up hearing Damon cry, Mommy, Mommy. And she got up, not realizing that she was injured, and chased him through the kitchen. And he pushed her away. This is when he dropped the knife and fled through the window. So the stories changed. She said that when she woke up, she woke up to hearing Damon crying for her. And she didn't realize her throat was cut. So now she's claiming that the throat wasn't cut during the uh, kind of scuffle she has with him but rather her throat was cut before and she didn't even realize it. And that when she did have a kind of little scuffle with him, he'd only stabbed her arm that time. Hmm. But she must have not realized that when she was cut in the neck.
1: Right, right. I I, I don't understand that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it <laughs> okay. brings up a lot of questions. Also, I don't know how you can sleep through your neck. I've never had my neck slit, so I don't know if God. you can sleep through it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I just don't know if... Maybe she was just in so much shock. If we're taking this at face value that this happened to this woman and this family, I don't know how 100% my memory would be with the trauma and the shock that went on well, that night and was, blood loss. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say and blood loss. You know that it really kind of clouds your judgment, your you know your your memory. You know, it's just like I don't know. But what's odd is first the perpetrator went out the door. Now it's the window. Um, no, had... no no
0: always the window okay i'm sorry yeah she's always gonna say that he goes out the window with the cut screen
1: right with the cut screen right i understand okay i i i don't know it's, don't know. it's a
0: little strange so police are going to decide to check her story against the evidence and the autopsy reports so if if the three align her story is corroborated by the evidence kind of can't argue when someone's story is corroborated by the evidence So first the sock in the alley was tested for blood and it was in fact covered with the blood of both Devin and Damon. So now we're left with these questions. Why would the sock be left in the alleyway? There was no way that this man committed those attacks and only got blood on his sock. The crime scene was covered in blood. The boys were stabbed several times, quite brutally, and Darley was slashed in the neck. Therefore, he would have had blood all over him. But then why, when the bloodhounds were led to the sock, did the scent go completely called it the sock?
1: That's like what I said before. I feel like someone just dipped it, smeared it in their blood. And then brought it there. And ran over there and just tossed it down an alley.
0: But based on the scent trail, it seems like the person who would have brought in the sock to the alleyway had no blood on them.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, Or, that is or a-
0: they did, and the dogs just don't double back to where it originated from. I don't know. Yeah, well, I just yeah, think a- that, like, I think what you're saying is more likely that someone dropped the sock there and then went back to the house.
1: That would be the obvious conclusion that because- we can make from... Better yet, actually, I wonder whose sock was it? Was it somebody's sock within the household? Was it you know the father's you know sock? What? I mean, it was
0: a very common Hanes white long sock that everyone wore. That's what I'm saying. It could saying. be like a, it was like a you know, sock. You know, I mean, people
1: go crazy. I, you know I I you know it's like you know did the person take it as a memento for what he did and then just dropped it or no? I, what I'm,
0: if if what the story that she's saying is correct? The only thing that's plausible involving the blood scent leaving after the sock is that the person who entered the Routier house had a change of clothes waiting outside the house, decided to change in the alleyway, put the clothes in a bag that couldn't be detected by the dogs.
1: And dropped the sock?
0: And dropped the sock by accident. However, that is so unlikely because these dogs are trained to detect blood within like
1: a lot of distance
0: (laughs) no not just a lot of distance but within things right like i was watching something on youtube where the dog detected the the scent that he was trying to find it was like within a steel cage within a wooden box underground yeah and he can't detect something that's in a backpack i mean i don't
1: Think. Well, that's the one thing that kind of makes this like out of the question. I mean, and then the other thing is what you just said before. I mean, that's just so much planning. I mean, I mean, think about this. You're going in there to kill people, okay? Kill children, mm-hmm. right? Almost kill their mother. Now you have this crazy plan of escaping out the window that you came in from, running yeah. down an alleyway this would have to and be have and have clothes and everything ready to go and extremely then extremely
0: premeditated. And, and
1: then I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it was there a way of escape. Was there a car? You know, uh, it's just that's just crazy. That's like that's outlandish and a th- of a theory. Well, I don't worry. Don't we'll get
0: we'll get back to the sock theory too because there's going to be other stuff on top of it that makes it Crazy socks. I know. Um so here's another weird thing that kind of takes place and and wasn't sure where to fit this in in the evidence, but It's just another weird thing that took place, kind of similar to the Silly String incident. So when Darren is brought back to the blood-soaked crime scene from the hospital, while his wife is still in surgery and his two eldest sons were declared dead, um, he's being asked to recount his tale to law enforcement. And he makes a lot of strange comments. He said that he believes that they were targeted and that he has the nicest home on the block and the prettiest wife in town. He said someone might have seen her at the grocery store or at the tanning salon and followed her home. His direct quote was, Have you seen her? She's a beautiful blonde with 38 double D's. And investigators were a little put off by these comments because his two boys just died, and his wife is in surgery, and she might have bled to death.
1: I mean, I know that I wouldn't be talking like that about my wife, uh, and I—I I don't even think I'd have anything coming out of my mouth at all um, after my two children just passed away or got murdered. I yeah. don't know. I mean,
0: <sighs> I think we can, and I and I'm watching interviews and want to say this in the nicest way possible. I think he's just a strange guy.
1: I mean yeah. I think he's
0: not a people person. I think he's a I'm gonna work on computers, kind of a loner, not really big with the whole social skills. Like I think that was always Darlie's thing. She yeah. was the voice of the family and he was kinda like he's socially awkward. Yeah. I mean I, I think I think we can chalk that up to I, that. I, mean, I guess so too. Plus, I don't like, know. you
1: know, like we always say, you know, the shock of the moment, you know, whether he's still in denial of everything or just you know, like it's just shock. It's maybe he just doesn't even know what to say. Like that just comes out of his mouth because, right? What else he doesn't know? what Because he's to say. thinking, yeah. what
0: could what could have happened to lead someone to my house to do and this? For all
1: we know, I mean, he could have been in that investigated. You know, in, in the uh, no, interrogation. it's
0: just a few oh. hours after. But I mean, it could be yeah, shock.
1: It could still be shock. I mean, yeah. And everyone's asking questions. He doesn't want to deal with that. I mean, I don't know.
0: That's true. it's iffy. But. Police didn't feel right about him or Darley, and the one thing they knew was that they couldn't go on feelings alone, right? You can have this gut feeling as a police officer all you want, but eventually you're going to need evidence to to back up how you feel. But they're not going to have to wait long, because a few blood splatter analysts were called in, including the most prominent of these technicians, Tom Bevel, who quite literally wrote the textbook on blood splatter analysis. So cool. Yeah he is going to determine several things based on the evidence that he finds at the scene. So here were the findings, which also just want to let you know, they were corroborated with other experts. So Bevel isn't the only one working on. There was four other analysts as well that were working. um, And once he came up with his write-up on what took place afterwards, four other people are going to do so as well. So the first thing, he noticed, was the blood drops on the kitchen floor were in a large circular pattern. And in order for these drops to form this way, someone would have had to have been standing in place while bleeding. However, Darlie claimed that she was slashed in the family room, and then she chased the intruder out of the house through the kitchen. Now, if this were true, and she was running through the kitchen while bleeding... Then the droplets would appear on the floor in an elliptical pattern with the tail facing the direction that the bleeder was running in. Now, they were able to say that this was strange because, yes, she could have been on the phone with 911 and been bleeding. Yes. But if she ran through the kitchen at all, there would have been elliptical blood patterns somewhere in the kitchen and they were not found.
1: Which is weird.
0: Which is strange. Second point. Darlie also claimed that the intruder dropped the knife in the utility room. Bevel and the other technicians tried in every way and at every possible angle to drop a knife on the ground. A similar pattern to all of those tests could not be found anywhere on the floor. Note that Darlie picked up the knife and put it on the kitchen counter. So it was never found on the utility room floor, it was found on the counter of the kitchen. She said she moved it. The knife was also coated in blood, so it was impossible that it fell to the floor without leaving any type of splatter formation.
1: Right, which, I mean...
0: Shows that the knife probably wasn't dropped in the utility room.
1: Right. or the, And also that wherever, she, wherever it was beforehand had to be cleaned up if it wasn't there afterwards.
0: Correct. The third point that they found was... Darlie claiming that she chased the intruder through the kitchen, and in the process she claimed that the vacuum had been knocked over and the wine glass had been broken. The technicians could not explain how the broken wine glass was laying on top of the blood found in the kitchen. They figured she must have, if this were true, if she knocked over the wine glass in the scuffle, blood from herself which she was covered in blood her nightgown was all red the whole thing in front from her neck bleeding so her neck was bleeding and she also had to have had blood on her feet um wouldn't she have cut her foot on the glass or somehow some blood would have gotten on top of the glass if it was broken within the scuffle they thought that was strange Also, in the blood on the kitchen floor were wheel marks. Bevel and the other technicians explained that in order for this to have happened, blood would have spilled first. So there was blood underneath the vacuum, but there were wheel marks in the blood. In order for what happened in the the crime scene to take place, someone would have had to have bled on the floor, then wheeled the vacuum and placed it down.
1: Right, and that's where you have your little wheel trail marks.
0: That's why there's wheel trail marks. And also further proving their point is the fact that there are blood marks on the vacuum handle. The drip on the handle was left at an 80 degree angle as if the person were standing over it. This is not consistent with someone running past a vacuum. So defense is going to argue that maybe she ran past it really quick grabbed the handle and knocked it over but someone would have bled on the kitchen floor first for there to be blood under the vacuum the way it was
1: underneath the wheels right like i mean
0: underneath the whole vacuum right that's
1: what i'm saying and then like i mean and if if it if you're moving it afterwards that's where you're getting your little tread marks from from it
0: right it just wasn't consistent that
1: doesn't make any sense
0: also, in the family room, technicians found the outline of the murder weapon on the carpet. The impression indicates that blood pooled toward the sharp end of the blade, as if it was held downward in someone's hand. So, like you're standing up straight and you're holding a knife down at your side. However, it was significant pooling. So, there's a lot of blood at the end, the tip of the knife. More than if the knife were to, if you were to stab someone clean and just get blood on the knife and then hold it downward, there would be a little bit of pooling. Right. But there was so much pooling on this knife tip that it had to have come from a flowing wound.
1: Right. And I would also imagine it had... You would have had to, like, come down. No, not you know? yet.
0: Not yet. Not talking about the stabbing motion.
1: Just the actual blood S- on the knife.
0: Someone is standing, holding the knife downward, and blood's pooling at the tip.
1: Okay, I understand. So wow. much
0: blood that it wouldn't be from a stab wound. Okay. It has to be from someone's arm or hand would have to have been bleeding so much that it was accumulating on the knife. On the knife. Okay. Okay no other DNA was found on the scene so the intruder was not injured however Darlie has a stab wound on her right arm so the evidence indicates that she was holding the knife in a downward fashion as her wound was bleeding down onto the knife and that she at some point put it down on the living room floor
1: hmm Yeah. it's interesting
0: it's also important to mention now that the murder weapon, which is a chef's knife, was found in the house. Like it was from the house. The knife block that they had in their kitchen, that all the knives had white handles. So the chef's knife came from their knife block. It was their own <laughs> it, knife.
1: It's so crazy to me because what I, I don't want to get into theories. I'm just going to say that it's weird to me. That you have an intruder coming to your home, to whether it's it is to steal shit and then kill you, right. or just to kill someone with no fucking weapon, and you're gonna use a fucking knife in their kitchen.
0: Well, here's here's the oh, thing. I
1: just think that's weird to me.
0: If the sock thing is true, that someone was able to kill the family, run into an alleyway, change. And kind of get away, but just accidentally leave a sock. You're telling me that they were so prepared that they brought a change of clothes, but not a murder weapon?
1: That's what I'm saying. Not only that, but now you just left the murder weapon in a home with your... Well, possible, your Your DNA DNA on that weapon. That is dumb.
0: Or does this prove that it was a robbery went wrong? Where he didn't bring a murder weapon because he was planning on doing the robbery but it went bad
1: i know what you're saying and it's that's possible too but i just think that even in a case like that you are going to mm. steal shit you're bringing a weapon because right. just for that reason where if something goes wrong now you have a way to corral people whether it's knife gun whatever that's true so i just think that that's a bunch of bullshit
0: right also <laughs> it just if is. also if you are going to go rob a house and you want to do something you're not going to go after a six-year-old and a five-year-old no, first
1: you're not you because
0: either way darlie so when she said she woke up i mean her sons were already stabbed
1: right now i'm just you
0: can't sleep through a no i think she's <laughs> i think she, say an intruder did come in i think maybe she's missed not remembering the night correctly i don't think she was slashing her sleep i think it might have happened the in the scuffle and she just doesn't remember but i don't Think her neck was slashed in her sleep and she didn't wake up
1: yeah no no way
0: so oh there's more blood splatter analysis drama darlie's nightgown was also analyzed and like i said before the front was completely soaked in blood mostly her own obviously from her neck wound but she did admit to holding her children so that would account for the children's blood also being present on the nightgown that makes sense investigators are not saying that's strange However, what was curious was the upward-facing blood droplets on the underside of her nightshirt's right sleeve. The dr- so it's like if you were to lift your arm up and you see how the under part of your sleeve is exposed. Right, right yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The drops of blood on her sleeve were patterned in a way that could only be caused by blood spray. This was damning because the knife impression that was on the carpet implied that she was, at some point, holding the knife in her right hand. The upward-pointing blood pattern on the bottom of her right sleeve also tested positive for both Damon and Devin. So the argument couldn't even be made that in her husband's attempt to do CPR on Devin, blood got on her nightgown because upward blood splatter from Damon was also present on her undershirt.
1: Let me just say that I love blood analysis and i could already paint this picture of like that evidence to me
0: it's the I already, most damning it's
1: the most damning and i already have a clear indication of what i think happened which i'm not going to tell you now but i'm saying that is definitely like the deal breaker for me like yeah, it already I'm, painted this crazy picture of my head
0: well i'm of, not of even the whole thing. i'm not even done with this blood splatter insa- it's insane <laughs> So when investigators arrived at the scene, they found Darlie holding her neck with a completely saturated dish towel. As police grew suspicious of her story, they revisited this. Could she have cleaned up other blood with that towel that she was holding? This led them to ask Bevel and other techs to do luminol tests. This would detect traces of blood even if someone had tried to clean it up. They went through the kitchen and the family room with luminol. They found the remnants of blood, of bloody footprints in front of the kitchen sink and additional blood on the cabinet just below the sink and in the sink, which was clean when investigators got to the scene. The footprints were the same size as Darley's feet. Bevel determined that it was Darley's blood that was in the circular blood drops by the sink. And it was her blood that was cleaned up in the footprints on the cabinet and in the sink. So investigators are going to make the assumption here that this is where Darley slit her own throat.
1: Now, I know that once when people hear you say that, they're going to be like, no fucking way. But I feel, I feel like anyone is capable of this in this story here mm-hmm. it's her yeah it is her as you know i, I yeah i, mean, I think that your she neck. could do it
0: especially what i think is interesting is the way her neck is slashed in a downward way it's kind of like you could do
1: now you could say that to yourself well w- why would she do it if she was so close to almost killing herself right and I, I can make the argument that maybe it was she just an, was... She was
0: inexperienced in an accident.
1: Well, I could come up with two things. Either she got extremely lucky. She looked up how... Not how to cut your neck, but like what to avoid. Well, like, I
0: don't think... I think you're giving her too much credit there. I I think I she just... Shit or just I was going to say
1: maybe she planned on killing herself, you know... If yeah, she, you know what I mean I mean if... I don't know
0: I don't think so. no I don't think so because we'll get to her 911 call but she makes it very clear when she calls 911 I've been stabbed, my boys have been stabbed like she's she's mentioning that she needs medical attention first right away right She is the uh, main priority. She is screaming about her boys but every time she says something it's I've been stabbed, I've been stabbed.
1: That could also be out of panic shock, blood loss. No, I know, but yeah.
0: I just think... I don't think her intention was suicide. Okay. So, beside the blood evidence, there was a lot of evidence that didn't look good for Darley. The murder weapon, a chef's knife, came from a knife block in the couple's own kitchen, as I mentioned before. So, this prompted investigators to test all the knives in the home. On the bread knife that came from the same block as the murder weapon, they found fiberglass rods and some dust the only other object in the house that held the identical fiberglass rods was a sliced screen in the utility room bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it appears that if darley's story was to be true about an intruder that he must have come in through a different entry point sliced the screen put the knife back took another knife attacked the family and then left through the screen
1: oh yeah cuz of course yeah which you got, seems really unlikely. You got Chef Ramsay uh, taking everything out of the block and cutting up screens. Chef on Ramsay windows.
0: brings his own knives everywhere. John. I'm just
1: saying, like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you got a chef killing people using uh, other uh, their knives it's, out of their block. It's
0: very strange. Another thing that investigators find to be strange is that. No one was awakened during the attack. Why does this always happen that no one... Can people wake up?
1: Better yet, the last last few cases we've covered, the dudes are always out cold and they don't wake up.
0: (laughs) So if Darlie's story is to be believed, her throat was slashed while she was sleeping. Um, The cut on her arm, she says, happened in the struggle. But how do you not wake up when your throat is slashed? I think that just might be... I don't know. I think she just told so many stories, you know. Maybe she doesn't even remember. <laughs> and while she was asleep, how did she not wake up during the attack of her sons?
1: Yeah, that's weird.
0: Also, on top of that
1: Why didn't the father wake up either?
0: Why didn't the father wake up?
1: <laughs> I mean that's the best question. Yeah. This that's that's the million dollar question.
0: In the clip that we played for you in the beginning, you hear the father say I I heard the, the faints I, I heard like a, a sound of a little glass breaking. If you woke up from glass breaking, how did you not wake up while your sons were being murdered?
1: It's just weird.
0: That she didn't wake up and that he didn't wake up.
1: Let's just say she did wake up. Right? Just, let's just say she did. The first thing she'd be screaming, there would be a ruckus. Right, like right. he would wake up.
0: Now, uh, we're going to right now go over the autopsy reports for you guys so you can hear what happened to these boys. And if this isn't for you, you can, like, fast forward it about a few minutes. But it's very clear from the autopsy reports that they did not die in their sleeps. Yeah. They did not die in their sleep. Not sleeps. Okay. So, Devin has four stab wounds. Uh, medical examiners could not determine which happened first, but stab wound number one went through the boy's chest, nicking his fourth and fifth rib, and perforated his lung. The second stab wound, measuring 15 inches below the top of the boy's head, and again in his chest, it was angled downward and penetrated his liver. The boy has defensive stab wounds on his left arm that is about two inches in length and an eighth of an inch deep. He, his final stab wound was on the back of the boy's left thigh, three quarters of an inch in length and in depth. So Devin also had abrasions and bruising on his right and left arm as well as his hip. So, it clearly appears that Devin put up a fight against his attacker. And from the stab wound on the arm and on the leg, what investigators determined must have taken place was that the boy was grabbed. He tried to defend himself. That's how he got the stab wound on his arm. He managed to try and crawl away from his attacker. Who then stabbed him in his left thigh, turned him over, pinned him by his arm, and stabbed him twice. Hitting his lung and then hitting his liver. Right. That's not quiet.
1: That is not quiet. So And,
0: we'll... <laughs> and then the attack on Damon. So that's that's one attack.
1: Right. I mean, like, if we wanted to, we this could just stop it This didn't happen simultaneously. And just say like, that, like, he had to have
0: fought screamed, right. cried
1: the father had to have bit up
0: the father had to have woken up his mother was inches away from him
1: it, it doesn't make sense and and we didn't even read the other kids yet but just by the first kid you're gonna tell me that no one fucking heard this that the father didn't wake up
0: no or her i mean what the fuck you or not, her or he she's right there in his
1: ears? i mean this is crazy
0: so damon's autopsy report is going to read the following the, it's the same as Devin's where the stab wounds on the report aren't listed. They're just listed one side to the next, disregarding sequential pattern, but investigators are going to explain, prosecution's going to explain what they believe the scene was. So stab wound one is located mid back, nicking left eighth rib and penetrating the lungs. The second stab wound goes through the right upper back, through the lung, and out through the front of the five-year-old's chest. The third stab wound in the right side of his mid-back, which is going to go through his lung again. And the fourth stab wound penetrated his right lung, diaphragm, and liver. There are abrasions bruising on the boy's back and feet. So this indicates that the boy was trying to fight, kicking his assailant. And so he was kicking his assailant, trying to get away, and the boy was stabbed in the back after being held down as the abrasions show. Um, many people make the argument that Devon and his defense of himself, Damon and his defense of himself is what accounts for the bruising on Darley's arm.
1: I was just thinking that that's exactly what it screamed out to me as. Yeah.
0: Because
1: where else? I mean, you could make the claim. Oh yeah, during during her struggle, she got bruised. But how?
0: Yeah.
1: In what manner? If the person had a knife, they wouldn't be just bru. Like, what would be? what how would you be getting bruised? I mean, the dude. If this, you know, if the if the dude had a knife and was cut her throat, stabbed her in the arm, did all this shit, she wouldn't just have random bruising somewhere.
0: I think that's the only thing that could have occurred because, like you just said, the if it was a small scuffle with this guy through a kitchen, a little pushing, that wouldn't account for the amount of bruising on her arm. No way. No way. So how did Darlie sleep through this? It, it took it took place right next to her, and you're telling me that a wine glass shattering is gonna wake you up, but not the screams of first Devon and then Damon in reference to Darren. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. Even if they didn't hear it, you know who would have heard it? The eight-month-old who would have woke up crying and then woke up Darren. Yeah, exactly. I mean... Good point. It doesn't make sense that they slept through this whole thing. So with the overwhelming evidence, the police believe that they had to arrest Darley, stating that they didn't think Darren had any knowledge or involvement in the attacks. So only Darley gets arrested. Now, I think this has a lot to do with, um, also in Texas, right before this, is the Susan Smith case. And if I know some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may not be. But this is when the woman drove her car full of her children into the lake, claimed it was a black man, uh, later admitted that it was her, that she killed her children. So I think this case is also riding on the coattails of the Susan Smith case. Slightly, where the investigators are a little bit more biased against her versus Darren, because Darren, I don't think it's complicit.
1: I mean, from the from the beginning of this, I mean, think about it. Darren was a working man, a working man who mm-hmm. worked a lot, and he wasn't home a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I agree.
1: And I think that she was on overload. Yeah and, and uh, that's what i'm trying to say here is that he what motive could he have had to do this right think about this he's never there he's working he's not going to like in a fit of rage or uh, due to extreme pressure and aggravation and stress and all the, all the other stressors in the outside world that he would do that whereas she had the family to take care of herself her image you right. know a home everything So that's just, I don't know.
0: Well, now we need to talk about the 911 tapes because the 911 tapes are a big part of contention for people. So we played a few clips for you at the beginning of this episode, but what I want to do now is kind of play it at a little bit of a longer length for you, and then we'll get back together and talk about what people think involving it. And some of it's a little hard to hear if you're interested in hearing the the thing in it's entirety it's on youtube so we're going to play just the first few minutes for you and this phone call was placed at 2:31 a.m. on june 6th
2: Hang on, hang on hang on I know, ma'am, I know medical to madam ma'am, I'm trying to get medical assistance. What's going on, ma'am? It's 80, 70, 80. Oh my God. I don't know medical emergency. 580. medical party getting seven million eagle drops after getting shot when the dictator was trying to kill
0: Okay, so what what she's saying there over and over again is someone stopped my boys, someone stopped my boys. And she's, she's calling out to Darren and she's saying, I don't know who did this. I don't know who would do this. And she just keeps saying, they came in, they stabbed me and they stabbed my children. They stabbed me and they stabbed my children. So some people super analyze 911 calls. I'm not a big fan of doing that because when you're on the phone with 911, you're under so much pressure. You're in shock. You're, I don't think what you say can be analyzed because I don't think your thought process can be there enough to be analyzed. Also,
1: you're still in the moment.
0: Right. Whether, whether she did it or whether she didn't do it, I don't think we can analyze it either way because her adrenaline's up. She either just got attacked or stabbed herself.
1: Yeah. She's Slashed not, her own she throat. is <laughs> not in
0: the right state of mind to be analyzing her. Right. And, um, A lot of people think it's evidence of her guilt because of the order in which she says people got stabbed. I don't really, I'm kind of like, whatever about that, about the whole 911 call. The only thing that I thought was interesting was the actual evidence that was retrieved by technicians. So an audio person who works at the police department was asked to analyze the 911 tape. And they're able to isolate just her sound and they eliminate all background noise. And what they're able to determine is that while she is on the phone, she's running through three different rooms. Hmm. So find this interesting. I think it's interesting that she's running around the place while she's on the phone bleeding from her neck. But I, and some people say that she was cleaning up while she right. made this phone call. I don't know how I feel about that because I think that if they were really trying to cover this up, wouldn't they cover it up prior?
1: Right, and also if like she, I mean, she's making this phone call, this 911 phone call, her throat has been slashed. I don't think you have the endurance uh I don't think the human around. body has the endurance to have your throat slashed so deep didn't and you're bleeding it out. Yet yeah I guess you can say that as well but
0: it's a little I it's don't know. it's interesting I think the number one call is interesting when you look at it through the perspective of the sound technician taking away the background noise and her running through three rooms
1: I think the biggest thing we could draw from this is that it gives perspective as to like with that number one analyzation right like mm-hmm. okay could she if she did you know cut her own throat, was it when? When did it happen? Was it after
0: the nine one one call? The
1: 911... St- uh, or the, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a good question. It's it makes um, you think.
0: But there's a lot of people who don't agree with Darlie's guilt. So so why do they believe this? And like most cases where people believe innocence, it lies with untested evidence. So there's a lot of pieces of evidence that police did find that have yet to be tested. And when Darlie and her defense for her appeal are trying to ask for this evidence to be tested, they're being denied by judges because the judges are saying that it would do nothing to do, to show her guilt. Because the evidence that was shown to a jury to get her guilt, to get her a guilty sentence, had nothing to do with the evidence that now Darlie wants to be tested. And some of the things that she wants tested are uh, pubic hair found in the family room. Hasn't been tested. Fingerprint found on the living room table and garage door. A left limb hair found on the sock. And the blood on the jeans of Darren Rotier. In a motion in 2002, Darlie stated that her now ex-husband, the couple, does end up getting divorced. And Drake now lives still in Texas with Darren. So Darlie states in 2002 that her now ex-husband, who has custody of their son, may have been responsible for the death of their two eldest sons by either hiring someone or committing the crime himself. She requested that it be tested for Damon's blood as well, and the judge denied her by saying it had no standing on proving her innocence. So maybe her husband was the one who—that's why he didn't wake up because he's the perpetrator and he was waiting for her to find the scene. But then that doesn't explain her slash throat. And her uh, stuff—it
1: doesn't make any sense. I, I,
0: that's why I think the judge denied yeah, it because it doesn't really.
1: And all those ev- all those things that she wants tested. Yeah. I mean, what
0: I get the pubic hair. I I don't know. I mean, of course I'd want to test it tested if I'm guilty. If I was found guilty, but. I think that the pubic hair is kind of a stretch. Most likely belongs to Darren.
1: And she already said she claimed that she wasn't sexually, sexually assaulted.
0: assaulted. So why would a pubic hair be anywhere? It wouldn't even matter. Unless the guy's taking his shoes off and his jeans off to what do What is this. he doing?
1: Getting naked uh, yeah. you know, before he commits a murder? It's stupid. I think
0: the left limb hair found on the sock is, is very That's interesting. That's probably the
1: only thing that that she said that she wanted to test that actually makes sense. That could really shed more light on this case but other than that nothing else makes sense
0: no i completely agree i think that that is the one thing that definitely 100 should be tested and the fingerprints too just in case if it leads you to someone clear them if not maybe they're involved why i i always i never understand why you wouldn't test every piece of evidence and when new technology comes out test it again it I mean, has I, to
1: do with, I'm sure, time, money, time, know. money you know, the resources know. that it would take to do that. Plus,
0: I have to say that the people who believe in her guilt, you know, a mother killing her two children, not a lot of people are really going to get on her side here because think that's the ultimate crime. How could you kill your children as a mother?
2: Right.
0: has an emotional factor. Well, others also argue that the circular blood drops formed... When she was standing in the kitchen on the phone with 911, but we kind of covered this before where there was no blood with elliptical pattern showing that she never ran through the kitchen at all, period. So that one kind of doesn't hold too much water. But those who believe in her guilt make the strong argument that law enforcement believed it was her and wouldn't look at anything else that proved otherwise. Which unfortunately we see a lot when law enforcement kind of gets the idea that someone's guilty. They kind of hold strong to it a little too much. So other people weren't investigated as much as they should be. Especially because they were blinded by the fact that the Susan Smith case had just happened.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, but innocent or not, she is going to stand trial for capital murder. From June, uh, January 6th, to so February 1st of 1997. So why would a mother savagely murder her own flesh and blood? The prosecution in the murder trial of Darlie Rotier, they had one simple explanation for this. Here was an immature, materialistic, manipulating young woman with low self-esteem, they claimed, um, who saw her lavish lifestyle slowly slipping away. Not only did she blame her two sons for the family's deteriorating economic status, she saw their death as a means for things to turn around. She felt like taking care of these kids were affecting her physical appearance. Now you have to, it's more expensive to have three kids than one kid. So if we had less kids, then maybe I could buy more things for myself. That's what they're claiming here. Materialistically driven. So in the middle of the night on June 6, 1996, Roots here, who was twenty-seven, takes the butcher knife from the kitchen, and she goes over to her son Devon and her son Damon and she repeatedly stabs the boys. That's what they believe. They say Devin died immediately. Damon was laying on the floor struggling for air, and Darren and the six and the eight month old never woke up. That's what prosecution's claiming. So prosecution is in no way saying that Darren was involved in this case while they're laying out what's going on in the trial. So police, paramedics are going to present their theories to the jury. And this woman who seems to be this doting mother is kind of made out to be this cunning manipulator. Which I kind of don't agree with when it comes to Darlie. I don't think that she's a cunning manipulator. I think that she's used to getting what she wants because she's pretty. She's been with this man for a long time who isn't as good looking as her. So I think she's used to getting everything. And now that's being taken away, I don't think she's a cunning manipulator.
1: But my argument to that is if she's able to kill Right. her children she's capable of pretty much anything right and i think that we need to make that very clear you know i mean it, it takes a whacked out individual to perform <laughs> murder on your own children so yeah. i understand like i know to what level are you know are they you know saying oh what's manipulative this and that but regardless she killed the shell, you know
0: that's true. It's a possibility no, I she know. killed the children. So I don't throw anything, don't you know, say. past her. Well, it doesn't look really good for her when paramedics and ER nurses are explaining that when she's told that both boys are, are dead, she doesn't cry. When she is shown Damon's nude mangled body, which is horrific. They have crime scene pictures of it. She doesn't cry. And she never asks about them. They have to tell her that the boys are dead. So that doesn't look good for her. Also, they testify that although the neck wounds are by her carotid artery and seem, they sound bad, that they're actually superficial. And they, fear to, and they appear to be inflicted in a slow, hesitant manner. So it's not a quick, clean slash that a chef's knife, without a doubt, would make. It's slow, hesitant cut marks.
1: Right. Like you are about to do yourself.
0: An attacker that just stabbed two boys four times each would not hesitate. No,
1: no. They're not going to hesitate. They're just going to do it and not care.
0: Yes. Another thing that doesn't sit well for anyone who's sitting there in the courtroom, is the parade of Darlie's acquaintances that are going to show her dark side. And they explain that the Routier's marital discord was something that was very well known to the public, that they had ugly public fights, and they were mutually cheating on each other. Others paint Darlie as an impatient, angry mother who often left her children unsupervised. At Devin's fifth birthday party, she shoved a piece of cake in his face when he squirted her with a water gun. And I don't think they mean in a playful way. She also, in her materialistic way, they're trying to show that she's only concerned with her appearances, is that when she had a breast augmentation, that she opted for the size double E. So like she wanted go big or go home. I guess it's Texas, right? (laughs) Um,
1: Everything's bigger in Texas.
0: Yeah. Oh (laughs) jeez. So, (laughs) her friends are going to call her "shop till you drop," Darlie, and they know that she also. And I thought this was the most interesting. After her third son suffered from postpartum depression.
1: So you're saying it could have played a role.
0: Huge. Ro- yeah. hundred percent. Witnesses also testified the couple was kind of spiraling out of control financially. I think they, Darren was doing really well. He made a lot of money. So they overspent and they didn't realize that the next year that Darren wouldn't make as much and he wasn't making a lot. It's already six months into 1996, and he wasn't anywhere near the 300000 that he made in 1995. And recently, their bank had just denied them for a $5,000 loan. So although the two-story brick mansion with the Jaguar parked out front looks good, they're going through a little bit of a financial crisis. Right. So there's more to the story. But... One person who's going to agree with Darlie's account on everything that is going to be brought up for the defense is forensic psychologist who completely supports her story. And after examining Darlie is going to say that the typical blackouts and distorted memory of someone who experienced profound trauma is something that completely makes sense. So they say that Darlie's story changing and not understanding things, that's normal. It's all the other things, the slow, hesitant marks, the all the blood evidence is overwhelming for a jury to hear. It's damning. It really is, hundred percent. And Darlie, of course, is going to have her parade of witnesses as well, explaining that she's a doting mother, she was devastated by the deaths of her son, her sons, and that she grieves appropriately. But it's never enough. And unfortunately, for Rotier's defense, she is going to take the stand herself, uh, despite her lawyer's objections. And like we always, whenever someone takes the stand, it never works out well for them. Never. Um, so after she told her version of the crime, insisting that she was a good mother, the prosecutor, Greg Davis, is going to tear into her story with a vengeance. And he, at the end, leaves Rotier sobbing stuttering and stammering that's how the newspapers report it so jurors are going to deliberate for only four hours before returning with a guilty verdict and three years later she was sentenced to death she's one of eight women who sit on death row in texas and at that point darlie didn't cry just like she didn't cry when she saw her sons i
1: think it's a uh it's the right call
0: Yeah, I mean, this. listen, there are a lot of people that believe in her innocence. And I think it has to do with some of the inconsistencies, things not being tested. Uh, The jurors received the trial manuscript that had 33 errors and omissions in it. They also never saw the photographs of the bruises on her arm. There's a lot of things that weren't discussed. And a lot of people claim that if the jurors heard everything that she may have been, I mean, innocent.
1: Oh, that's all great and all. I just feel like maybe I shouldn't have been in the, if I was part of the jury, the only thing that, well, if I, let's say I thought she was innocent. Mm -hmm. The only thing I had to hear was that blood evidence, the blood stain, uh, the blood stain analysis. The moment I heard that, okay, especially um, to be specific, the, blood spray underneath her arm Correct. to me that makes it sound like she was the one standing above her children stabbing and them. stabbing them yeah and that's where she got that from and that to me is all i need to hear here
0: okay like so every you...
1: to me everything else is bullshit like right. the way she acted i mean i don't like her tone like i said earlier but all that other shit's bullshit. so lay it out i'm laying it out right what here. do
0: you what do you think happened She's... the whole night
1: I think that maybe her postpartum depression, maybe all the pressure and this, you know, and the stressors outside got to her. I think that she waited for everyone to go to sleep
2: mm-hmm. because
1: she couldn't go to sleep. Right. She you know, she was there, she waited for everyone to do that, got up, got the knife, killed them. Okay? I then I think she probably like, cut the screen and, like, tried to do a little bit of staging. The scene. Yes, and then after that, I think that she cut herself.
0: And then left this. Do you think she left the sock? I... Or do you think Darren or did?
1: Maybe, or maybe in between that. Like, right before she makes the 911 call, she goes and runs out and throws the fucking sock see, in down the alley. I can't
0: see her throwing the sock in the alley. Her nightshirt... Was drenched in blood. I don't think she would have been able to do that without people seeing her. Do you, I hope you guys hear this. I know we have crazy right vacuuming now.
2: upstairs.
1: Um, uh, she's, I, <laughs> Oh my god. Um, I, you know what? I actually cannot. I
0: want her vacuum to be in a pool of blood right now. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: Um, I don't know where I would place that sock. Like where? Like how? Like where? Where
0: you'd put it in the timeline? I don't know where I
1: would put that in the timeline, but pretty much everything else seems to be like. Already, like, in perfect order. I think that, like, she definitely cut herself before the 911 call. Yeah. Because that takes time. If she was hesitant and she yeah. was taking her time, that, that blows, takes time. That blows yeah. everything
0: away. That, that, that
1: takes time. And then I think she made the phone call.
0: Um, a slow, hesitant cut. You did it yourself. A, yeah. You, this guy just didn't care killing a six-year-old and a five-year-old and he's going to hesitate he's cutting gonna, you in no. the neck.
1: He or she is Slowly not, no.
0: take their time.
1: No, not at all. So, I just think that, like, that's pretty much, like, all we need to know. I mean, Do you think Darren
0: was involved?
1: I know I said that it's pretty ridiculous that he didn't wake up, but I just... I don't see motive. Yeah. I don't see motive. I see motive with her. Is the motive
0: that they don't have enough money and they're like, let's get rid of two kids?
1: Okay. I... There's no. there listen there's hundreds to thousands of people in this country that have children and are finding it a little economically tough. They don't go and go kill their children. I know. So I think that's just BS, but I feel like she has so much more motive. She's materialistic, she cares about her image. She wants to be free of them. Right. She wants to be able to spend money on herself. Like there's a lot of things that are involved with her whereas with him there's not. He goes to work you know, he does his little things, apparently, with other women or whatever, and he was and cheating. And she does, too. And she was, too. So, he was doing his own thing. He was out gallivanting and doing his thing. So, I don't know yeah, if there I was much more. Yeah, which I find weird
0: when you, like,
1: you I don't watch
0: know. interviews with him. But. Okay, it's, hard,
1: it's hard to say if he true. was involved. If he was involved. Do you want
0: to hear what I think?
1: I would love to hear. Because I, I was kind of vague on mine.
0: I, Do you want to go more into detail? No. Do you want to clarify yourself? I just, I don't Clear know. Clear things up?
1: No, you know, honestly, this one's really baffling to me. Like, I know she did it, but I don't know if he was involved. So there's
0: no question of her. There's no question in my mind
1: that that she didn't do it. Like, I know she did, but I don't know where the father comes into play here. It's hard for me. I I don't know.
0: I think the father's guilt lies in his complacency. I think that from what I've read with the trial... And what the witnesses said, Darlie was a very aggressive and I wouldn't say abusive parent, but she didn't shy away from physical punishment.
1: But you can also say that that's due to the fact that he was absent.
0: Right. I'm not saying that. And
1: and also I'm not condoning violence against children.
0: Right. I'm not saying that what she did right. I'm not debating the physical violence thing with children. I'm just saying that this was normal for her. And it might have been because she has to somehow get three boy, two boys to listen to her.
1: She has to lay down the law. While
0: also having an infant to take care of. Right. That's not easy. You get frustrated, especially when you're suffering from postpartum depression. I think that maybe she was having a bad night, couldn't sleep in the bed, had to go downstairs to sleep. The boys were acting up; they weren't listening. Bad episode. She starts fighting with them; she starts abusing them. It goes a step further. Do I think that Darren might have heard this commotion going on downstairs, and he thought, "Oh, I'll let her handle with handle it. I'll like, let her like deal with it." Like he did everything it. else. Like he right. did every time, <laughs> saying that, "Oh." whatever, it's okay if she hits the boys. She's done it before. He may have mistaken their cries out of desper, their cries of desperation as she's hitting them again. When in fact, she was stabbing them. And then once she realized what she did, she covered it up with the cut screen, the cut neck. She dropped the vacuum Drops the wine glass, starts screaming, Darren runs downstairs. But I think that he heard the attack and thought, I'll let it go.
1: You know what? I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I I would have to... I Maybe that's what it is. He Maybe he heard it, but he just kind of rolled back into bed because... Like
0: like is normal yeah. for them as a couple.
1: It's possible. I, I would say that that's probably the only like logical thing i could i could i could even but then
0: you could say that maybe he maybe he realized what happened didn't want to lose his life because from the comments that he made to to investigators he was proud of his house and how beautiful his wife was and everything about her physical appearance so maybe he didn't want to lose her and he thought this is our chance to be together again like let's cover this up and i think he's the one who who put the sock out there I don't think it was her. Someone would have seen her in that nightgown covered in blood like that. I don't know how that sock... The sock is an anomaly.
1: Could it be that the first... I mean, the first kid pretty much died instantly. There was no struggle, really, right?
0: There was. Well, at first, there was a struggle. He had... He was fighting. Had defensive wound on his arm. Tried to crawl away. Defensive wound on his left thigh. And then once he was pinned down... Twice in the chest. I was just
1: thinking, is it possible that like
0: the boy ran out? No, it's 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 an adult sock.
1: No, no, not ran out. But I don't know.
0: No, there's no no, way. I was gonna
1: say maybe like she wiped the blood off or something and then ran out there to throw it away. But then it makes no sense because then she killed the other one.
0: Yeah, and it was found that night. Yeah, damn.
1: Yeah, I can't really come up with an explanation for the sock.
0: The sock is an interesting one.
1: But look, you could just say like somebody just ran down there and threw it down the hall, like the alleyway. But like who did it? You know, where did this fucking I think, sock come from? I don't know.
0: From? I think the sock is Hashtag mystery her, sock. Yeah. I hate this
1: sock. I don't even it's know. It's
0: either her or him.
1: I can't come up with yeah you know. and it's
0: like one of those like long white socks that, like your dad always wears with his shorts and you're like stop it dad
1: my dad used to wear those all the time no i'm
0: saying like my dad too no, my it's dad, a dad thing it is a
1: dad thing but my dad doesn't anymore so he's moving my, up
0: my dad still does <laughs> still does okay guys so thanks for now i know this is a controversial case so i'm sure we're gonna get some good some bad but tell us what you think what do you think happened is there anything that you thought we should add? Because we can talk about it the next time we're up in two weeks. So let us know what you think. And please, if you like us, give us five-star review on iTunes. That helps us out so much. Um, thanks so much, guys.
1: Bye, guys.